we do have to find and win these ambassadors. People with ambitions and of course, also willingness to be involved in complicated and not always pleasant topics. My name is Patrick Hübscher, and this is Circularity FM, the podcast about understanding, building, and managing circular business models. This episode is not about the sustainability department, but about the rest of the organization. I'll talk to Alexander Shevelov. He has experience in logistics, data management, and circular supply chain management with multiple companies. A few months ago, I listened to a talk of Alexander and his colleague Natalie. They presented their way of organizing the sustainable transformation at Würth, a global leader in fastening and assembly materials, with more than 87,000 employees and 20 billion in turnover. Let's go. Alex, how did you come to the topic of sustainability? So my, my personal way, right? Yep. I guess it was a transformation in my awareness, I guess five or six years ago, when I realized that maybe I, have, I do have some skills or maybe top, hopefully talents, which I can use, which I use in, in the last decades in different business areas, for example, logistics, supply chain management. Transformation and what if I can use the same skills but with another purpose? And there, where the the, the traveling, the self transformation started, when I started to work on topic circular economy or reverse logistic. And I guess after being five six years experience in different areas, I I find a company Word Group, which I guess shared was still sharing the same vision and mission. Like I do. Talking about the word, you do have, or the company has a chief sustainability officer, you have a department. Who at Word is responsible for sustainability? Yeah, according to our organization chart, yes, we do have head of sustainability. And of course, we do have a very, very competent team that shapes and accelerates the stability transformation process. But actually, Every employee in our whole company is a crucial factor mm -hmm. and also responsible for this change. So our main role of our stability team, for example, in the beginning, but the transformation trip was and still is, is to synthesize our employees and create a kind of awareness and know-how to, to empower them, right? To become a crucial part of the change maker ecosystem. Because we realized pretty, pretty early that um, that is the only way, of course, paired or matched with proper data as necessary. And how we can change or manage this information, because the important component is for successful transformation and the first line is the human being. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? And I mean, it's at a high level, it sounds so easy. Do you have a program for that? You probably don't talk to everyone individually. It depends. Uh, no, we have kind of like it's there are, there are kind of three main levers or strategies. How do we enable or empower our, I would not say like every, every employee or human being in the company, but more the ambassadors. I do call it multiplicators. So people who are ready to be a part of this, not always pleasant change. 
And first of all, the focus is lying on the internal community. So we do, we do have to find and win these ambassadors mm-hmm. because it's still add on work for them internally and not only colleagues for having a chat during the coffee break, talking mm-hmm. about these roof projects, people are needed with ambitions and of course, also willingness to want to be involved mm-hmm. in complicated and not always pleasant topics. So mm-hmm. how it works in our company, for example, internal community. We establish an internal stability committee exchange kind of networking platform where the people getting together every six weeks. And the aim is to make stability more tangible, talking in their language as a topic for everyone and to empower our colleagues from different departments to implement also projects independently and Mm -hmm. also to present their progress. So it's not our role to present how sustainable we become. But it's more to push or to empower them to, prog- to present their progress regarding stability. Mm-hmm. I can name you like some examples more in detail, which we are using to strengthen the sense of unity. So mm-hmm. we initiating, for example, very simple different events like stability days. So everyone is coming together, no matter it's like management board, part of family or employee like us. Of course, simple, and it's not simple, but like it's a very visible project, like tree planting campaign. But what we're also doing, we are having a very intense, strong internal communication. So using newsletter, conferences, webinars, trainings, workshops, and so on. Okay. And let's come back to the multiplicators you mentioned at the beginning, the ambassadors. How did you recruit them in the first place? It's networking. I guess that's a specific DNA of the Word Group company. It's a family and it's not like marketing gig or marketing campaign. It was also in, in you amazing experience for me being before in other companies where some, some maybe telling about this topic internally, externally, but not having this in daily business as a DNA and how you win people here when you are using personal networking moments drinking coffee, having mm-hmm. a chat, drinking a beer, because every human being is, do have a sense or a sense or, or a passion for something, for, for kind of impact, which has, or for, for a project, which can have an impact on environmental, social problems. Yeah. And we are winning them because it, there is a different KPIs. Every human being in the company do have their own KPIs. And when you try to explain to people that we are able to match your KPIs with our sustainability task or aims and explain that if you will be a part of this, it's not only you can create a benefit for your department, but you also can create a huge impact on the company's image, for example. And I can explain you maybe more in detail how we integrated this topic more into the business processes because it's it's easy to win people for for networking talking about community but it's sometimes difficult to win colleagues which are able to integrate sustainability as a daily business in their job because Mm -hmm. they're two different two different attitudes and the, the the first change was starting besides this communication part to integrate sustainability and circularity and the business model transformation and the supplier transformation 
And because despite all this awareness creating work, stability mm -hmm. work itself for various departments is still additional effort. It's still an effort because they do not, they, they're not paid to, to make stability. They are paid for launching products or to develop suppliers. Right. And in the first glance, sometimes for these people from our colleagues, this work do not create any benefits, but for daily benefits for daily business output. And it's sometimes difficult because it's not also matching with classic business KPIs. Yeah. And instead, from our side of only determining unclear targets or deadlines to the departments from the top down, it's necessary to create kind of very strong empathy and patience during this phase. Mm -hmm. Work out jointly clear targets. So every, mm -hmm. every strategy for product management, for procurement, for marketing, we do working on the strategies jointly. And mm -hmm. that's a way how we integrating sustainability in every business process of the company. And very, very necessary is to harmonize the incentives and KPIs of the departments with sustainability department criteria. So to me, it sounded a bit that word being a family business, it makes it easier to reach out to certain people and tell about uh, what you want to do, but you, you need to know the people you, you need to have initial trust. And that might be easier for someone who's already with the company for many, many years and who has a bit of, uh, let's say street credi credibility compared to someone who's coming from external. So in, in what way does your staffing of your sustainability department define how you start recruiting ambassadors? Yes. I, I mean, the, the, the huge success, success factor was of course, Karina as a person, not, not only because she is very smart and visionary human being and with the amazing leadership skills. But also she is a, a huge part of this company history, working mm -hmm. since decades in the company. And yes, they, they, within the group, within the company, you, you have this credibility, how you already mentioned it, if you started this information from the beginning. But it's still not easy. The topic, it's not, it's even if you are part of this family for decades, there are still topics which are complicated and it's, they, they like, it's, do not matter if you were like since 20 years here. Everyone is trusting that what you're telling have the right future or solution because sustainability is also kind of not very pleasant topics when it comes to prices. Lots of classic, classic economic KPIs. But for the stuff, our, our team, for example, even, even myself, we, we came from external. Of course, a lot of us are. We're trainee, trainees here in the company. So it's, mm -hmm. it's our mission also, our, our main aim to get people from the internal community and, and the same, the same for our ambassadors. But what I tried to explain was focusing mostly on the internal ambassadors. We do also creating a networking with our external ambassadors. So it's not only, it's not enough to having chance, how we call here which are looking forward to our conferences, having together dinner and something else. So it's also necessary to win people, customers, suppliers, and other stakeholders to create a common language, a common vision. Do I get that right? That you have internal ambassadors and external ambassadors? Yeah. Yeah. Of course we have more internal ambassadors, but I mean, it's, it's clear if you, if you planning or if you are accelerating transformation of your company. 
which is a, a part of a huge network in this economy world. Mm -hmm. For example, for our main company as a wholesaler, so we are pretty depending from suppliers and of course from customers buying preferences. It's necessary to win both parties to be able to transform your company. And you mentioned at some point that it's also about enablement. How does that look like? Yeah, what I explained before, it was at the, the beginning of the transform, transformation. When I was new here and I like, and I'm from, I never work in the communication departments and was my, not my first transformation, but what I, what I did before or have done before was focusing on the business process transformation. And, but what I, what I forgot and what I learned amazingly here and also from Karina, our head of ability is before transform before you start to transform or force people for specific business process, you integrating IT system, it's a kind of forcing method. It's a top-down mm -hmm. forcing method. So we started to talk with people. We, we, we started to explain our, our colleagues, employees, that it's our main vision. It's not my job stability, it's our job. And our job is to empower them. That's, that's the first beginning of communication, having different newsletters, workshops together was a kind of awareness creating job, which we did, I guess, two years very intensively. And then the second phase was to transform, to change or to harmonize sustainability criteria and expectation with a daily business process, because mm -hmm. it's not enough that, for example, a colleague from the product management is also do like this topic. It's not about liking, it's about doing this every day in their business. <laughs> and, and that's where the pain was starting to become bigger and bigger because, because the harmonization of, for example, procurement KPIs, it's about quality, yeah. it's about price, yeah. it's about good logistic way. But our KPI was social criteria. And mm -hmm. sometimes, I guess not anymore in the long term, but sometimes it's a very social developed supplier. It's not, it's, it's more expensive, of course, because mm -hmm. they do invest in different social criteria, do invest in infrastructure. And that was my job mostly to combine, harmonize these economy classy business process with sustainability. And okay. what we are doing or still doing is trying to use the language, empathically the language of the departments to explain this topic. Not like from top, top down, you have to be more social. It's firstly my job to understand what are you doing every day because mm -hmm. I have to adapt my vision to their daily business. What we are doing at workshops, we also, what I did, I was in lead of the German supply chain management. So I had to learn how it works here, how the procurement process looks like and so on. So I became a part, like a part of this procurement family, for example. You explained that there is no dedicated sustainability role in procurement or in product management, uh, or at least that, that the way I understood it is that for many people, these topics uh, come on top of their normal business. Did you make a conscious choice here not to have even more sustainability roles in the different departments? Now, it was not with the purpose in the beginning. I mean, we started our transformation, I mean, I guess four, five or six years before. And I began my part with our new bigger team now. 
which are responsible for sustainable value chain management. And we started two years ago with all these projects and transformation. So it's a kind of, we are still, we are still developing or elaborating the way or the decision. Do we, do we need, of course, we will do need sparing partners for procurement because it's, but, but our maybe kind of naive aim was that sustainability is still our mission. Sustainability should become a daily DNA or part of their daily business because word, we don't want to have like a word quality as a brand. And besides also sustainability brand or word, yeah. no, word is sustainable, should yeah. be more sustainable than before. Uh, but yes, it's not possible without having different colleagues for which are sparing partner for different departments. Yeah. So we are kind of development phase. I mean, of course, it depends uh, on the company structure, on the culture, on, on the skills of the people. But I guess that the approach to have, let's say, sustainability as part of everyone might be in the long run more promising compared to, let's say, you have uh, five product managers and only one is responsible for uh, sustainability because then the other four might say, ah, oh, yeah, that's not my business. Yeah, the other person is taking care of that. So, of course, again, yeah, context matters, but I can imagine that uh, this might be the more promising way. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a more, it's harder. It's a more, it's a tougher way I mean, it's easy. I mean, it sounds like pretty easy. It's not easy just to establish or develop a, co a department where you have like 20 sustainability procurement guys and you have another like office in the procurement guys, which without stability skills, and it's like yeah. not efficient because what we experience or I feel every day, like they are doing like their job, excluding sustainability as a possible development skill of suppliers. And then it's like, it's my turn to to with suppliers to explain the another part so it's not efficient enough and that's the reason why we are trying using for example digital it tools because mm -hmm. what i explained in the first line was that uh, trying to develop or to create internal motivation now it's not mm -hmm. sometimes easy yeah. to yeah. to find i mean it's like only one to five percent of the employees who are internally motivated to do this extra mile but there are another ways integrated sustainability criteria kind of must have criteria into the enterprise digital systems so systems which are used in daily business from every employee if you don't check the privacy data box for example or do not upload the important bank account document you won't be able to start a netflix subscription right why not the safe stability? Why can't we only launch products or conclude a contract with suppliers that meet our internal stability criteria? That's another way to create kind of defined, determined infrastructure using digital platforms with stability as a must-have criteria. You already announced that making sustainability part of the business planning order to the business strategy process was an essential step. What did you do there? Yes, that's, it was in the beginning was the focus was lying firstly, how we already told creating awareness because without awareness, because we are, we, I mean, we as the ability department, we are pretty de dependent from another, another departments. Yeah. And then we realized, maybe I can explain you briefly what was the, the 
the, the step between before we start a transformation of our business modeling, which we are still in the beginning. I'm not trying to explain that we are pretty far. We are still not kind of role model in every company. We started five, six years ago. We are a small department, started with three people, now 10 for a huge company, which is includes 400 and more companies as sub companies. So it's a, it's a big deal with the different countries, different regulation. But what we realize it's before starting transformation of a business models, what is a crucial part of the transformation, not only people and data, we realize we need we need partnerships along the value chain. The step before was to create an external community and sustainable business awareness along the value chain. After creating stability as a part of business, daily business of our colleagues, we needed to convince or to find ambassadors beyond our company. The focus is to ensure and to ensure and kind of uniform sustainability communication and uniform targets across the value chain. And I don't mean fancy marketing campaign. They're trying to present some stability USPs as a selling yeah. incentives, but more how we start to create awareness and define same language along of our value chain with partners. And why? Because in order to ensure that our customers in the first line, well-informed and not only which product is sustainable, but more why this part is sustainable. Five years ago, I get what will be enough to say this part is green, but things are changing pretty yeah. rapidly. And we do have in our B2B area customers, they, on the one side, they are not very impressed by some green products. They're expecting clear and solid communication data, mm -hmm. like life cycle analyze, circularity performance. And, and on the other side, we do have customers who are still currently not seeing stability as a crucial incentive by this product. And without this awareness and consumption preference, we will not be able to bring a real change about. And as a company, Vert, which is, I guess, pretty sure well-known for high-quality product, very trusting relationship with customers, we do have a huge sell force. And the Salesforce colleagues are kind of part of family of some customers for decade. And that's the reason why we're putting our focus on being very honest, maybe communicating more or less, but honest and transparent with our customers instead of communicating misleading claims. The same applies to our suppliers. So you established yeah. ambassadors in both directions, up, upstream and downstream. Yeah, I can, I can explain more briefly how this awareness work looks like. And yeah. we, we thought about these topics like for, for months, we did a great job, or my colleagues did a great job, uh, creating a huge sustainability, circularity network in our company. I mean, we do have, when we are uh, having sustainability uh, half months uh, conferences, we do have more than thousand people who are wow. watching us. It's wow. a huge community, like, and we do have a very trustful, amazing communication internally with our management board, with our family. I mean, our, the Verge family, I'm also a part of the establishment, <laughs> working three years here. Yeah. yeah. And so internally their people are ready because Verge, Verge from the, their nature, they are very human oriented people and they are very social and environmental, even for yeah, I mean, hidden champion in, 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 in Baden-Württemberg, like it's a normal way that's nature and people are very important. So we did here a good job, but the, the bigger challenge is our suppliers, for example, 
not mm-hmm. because we do not have good suppliers. It's more, how do you find out? How do you, you find out if you have like more than 40,000 suppliers? Who are the, the, the partners for this change? And we do also have small, small size suppliers. And that's the main challenge is missing awareness meets additional effort without benefits for them. But you need them. You need your suppliers as a wholesaler to, to transform your company. And we did the same for our, or we're starting to do with, we, uh, thanks to Lieferketten Sorgfaltspflichtengesetz, the supply chain due diligence in Germany, which also forced us to create more, uh, I would say, dynamic in this topic. We having uh, created a, a platform, a platform, for example, who is able, which is able to assess every of our suppliers. Thanks to the assessment, you realize that maybe these 100 suppliers are ready for this change and it's necessary to get person in touch with them. So what mm-hmm. I do, I, st- I, I having calls with them, even, even meeting like for them, like in their company to explain what is our mission. So it's a kind mm-hmm. of creating friendship on another level. And we offering free charging of without, I mean, free, we are not charged the suppliers, for example, for training. So we do have mm-hmm. a platform which we're establishing next year and we will offer training to different topics because we are also kind of concerned. We do not want to force suppliers to be sustained because we want this. It's a kind mm-hmm. of how can we create a same language, a same understanding with empathy and endurance. How did you decide what's the content and the format of that platform? Did you did you do that in theory or no? That's that's of course we started with with different topics because it's not it's not possible to. To ask every supplier what are needs, for example, of course, you are starting with topics which are, for example, regulation. It's a, it's an easy way. Easy way, for example, the supply chain due diligence in Germany, it's, it describes pretty exactly what are the requirements. And this platform uh, can also be used for different topics, CO2, diversity topics, and and so on. And we derivated, like after the assessment, we derivated different topics and analyzed and realized that as some part of specific industries do have, for example, another weak point than in other industries. So we yeah. cannot say like all suppliers have, have the same, you know, pain points or potentials. We are started to think because we are very like multinational and multi-industry company. We have like different industries and, and that's why different like challenges, but also mm-hmm. potentials. Talking about mm-hmm. let's say different natures, how do you deal with skeptics and, and critics both on the internal side and also on the external side? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good question, which I have to answer is with very being sensitive and uh, empathic. I am, I am sometimes not very, it's, it's with the right empathy and endurance, of course, internal regulation, but also external guidelines, the majority of the workforce, but also of your suppliers can be pursued to kind of co-shaping transformation. Or if not, you have still thank, thankful to our market position, but it's not, it's not our main main, main tool to force suppliers, but there is a way, for example, there's a way for them having like specific contracts <laughs> or meetings where you clearly explain that 
There are topics they are must have criteria. Without this topic, it will be not able in the future to keep the relationship together with some suppliers. If you had used this also strategic communication way, I guess everyone will be able to move along the same transformation path. I mean, it's, it's, I'm allowed to say this because I'm a sustainability manager, but I guess I'm pretty sure that suppliers or another stakeholders, which will not be able to follow the same vision, which are very necessary for us, cannot be in the future our partner. I guess that's sometimes a bit easier with external partners. How is it with internal colleagues that are skeptic because they're you? might have other limitations and options. It's the same. It's just, I mean, we are not, it's not, I mean, it's the same because well, no one will leave company if it's not, will not do, I guess, CO2 calculations, not the way. But then what I meant with the internal regulation, of course, we are trying to create internal motivation. That's why we do not, uh, also our company is not, is not famous for top-down principle. But there is sometimes you don't have any okay possibilities, another possibility, the alternative method, where you have to create some very crucial steps. And mm -hmm. if it's not able, then you have to use regulation, internal regu regulation guidelines, mm -hmm. where it's clearly communicated that from day to day or tomorrow, everyone have to follow following rules. And for example, for specific products in specific country, a product without a product carbon footprint is not will be not able to sell. So that's right. how we start the communication. So we are not forcing them. We are trying to explain in their language what could be like disadvantages for their KPIs if they are yeah. not introducing sustainability. That's our, our main, I guess, skill or main, not weapon, but tool that we are not like talking like sustainability nerds, explaining that the whole world will go down and the sun will burn. No, it's like we are trying to be, yeah, of course, because I guess the people are aware that we have some, some issues. They are aware, they're reading magazines, they're watching TV. Everyone is aware that we do have some struggles. It's not fair to force them in their daily business. It's, I guess, more efficiently to explain the challenge in their language. Okay. One more question on that one is about the leadership team, especially, let's say, the, the, the senior leadership team. Did you treat them differently, especially at the beginning? Because, I mean, you need their support. Yeah. That's a question which you should definitely ask my my head of stability, Karina Lebsack. Uh, she's very amazing what, when it comes to talking with a specific managed board colleagues. I have no idea how she did it like in the past, but it was great work. And no, I, I also have the pleasure now to sometimes when, yeah, to, to, to do the same job uh, talking with different management boards colleagues. I guess everyone has a different language and it was not, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, everyone would say that. No, it was not a big deal. It was also, I was also surprised that the reason why I started my uh, trip or my transformation path together with Word, because the Word company four, four years ago, I guess, was the first company which like publicly communicated our main headquarter company, the Word will become so good as possible, circular able by 2030. Whoa, I was so surprised. I have to be a part of it because 
of course, we have family, family leading companies. So our CEO like will be our CEO for decades and not only yeah. for half a month. So he is able to say this kind of, or to put kind of vision missions. And they were, I was surprised because it was not a big deal to convince him because yeah. yes, it sounds good because we as a company, we was always like a very innovative and we would also be a part of transformation. Sometimes it's difficult when it comes to changes, which can be, which can affect in a kind of negative way, classy economic KPIs. Then yeah. you have to discuss this topic for a long, a long time, a long way, but uh, in a holistic way, this transformation thing, we have a huge support from them from day part was not a big, yes, but it's like I, my, my, the Karina did all the job. So when I came, they were convinced. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's a precondition for, for everything else that you explained because otherwise. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. We do have every, we do have every two or three months a management board meeting for almost two hours, I guess. It's a huge support, which I appreciated. You referred to the combination of circularity and sustainability. And so it's in what way is that different for you or is it the same? It's, it's, it's the same. So we, we do not separate, I guess we put this, this word like as the end, because we want to show that there is like, not, not, it's, it's the end word. So we do not separate these two topics. That's why I put, or we put end between them because they should go head in hand. In our circular economy transformation, we clearly, without doubts, focusing on our three crucial stability strategies, climate, clear, clear, no more net greenhouses emissions, yeah. circular material life cycle, decoupling growth from resource use, and of course, of course, social standards, which is yeah. sometimes not a part, but our circular economy is a social standard, is a huge, huge aspect in all this transformation. So it's very similar if you, I guess everyone who is listening to this podcast are aware regarding the cradle to cradle principles. Yeah. They do also have like five, which are similar to our three. I guess we put two together in one, and that's the reason why we do have three. And so it's circularity is the part. And I know we, we some, I'm aware that there is, there are projects or business models which can be circular, but not sustainable. That's not our way how we deal with this topic. And Alex, my last question is more or less coming back what you already said that Zurich has already started from, and not from the beginning, but already a couple of years ago to define a circular ambition. And your supervisory board chairwoman, Bettina Wirt, she said, in the long term, the circular economy should be inextricably linked to the Verge brand. For this purpose, we aim to develop new business models. How do you organize this process of building new business models, new circular business models? Yeah, please do not expect fancy, innovative management management approaches. Uh, but, but I could I could try explain a very simple word. I know the first one how I already told is the last half half an hour is what the beginning creating the proper communication and the proper yeah. awareness internally at all level. The second one it was the second one was making this topic more tangible and e easy to digest to colleagues who never worked on this topic before by implementing practical sim and very simple, but also sometimes complex projects. So it could be like circular packaging or a very durable, long-living mounting system designed by mm -hmm. higher C2C principles. 
And in the first glance, or they may not have kind of huge impact on the transformation of the entire product portfolio in the first instance, right? Mm -hmm. But it helped colleagues to understand how these sometimes complex and still slightly theoretical approaches can really, in the practice, be put into the, mm -hmm. the business. What, what helped is, or what, what worked out with this takes away people's fear or an obstacle about this difficult transformation. So mm -hmm. not just a feeling of success, but more making the success visible, mm -hmm. show that the change is possible through the actions. And the third one, after having like practicable, practical and tangible projects, we started working, dealing with bigger leverage effect. Simply yeah. summarize, we uh, are analyzing now what are the most valuable products or material stream from the economic perspective and riskiest from ecological perspective. We do analyze valuable materials or products which are already designed to be circular able or have to be redesigned by circular principles with our wind colleagues uh, from suppliers, for example. And after having the analyzation, it's necessary to create a completely new infrastructure. For example, mm -hmm. reverse logistics. What mm -hmm. we are what would have been done in the last decades, we have a linear logistics. So we are selling and then like it stops. And after analyzing what are our more valuable materials and which materials are, for example, uh, amazingly circular able, we do have to establish a kind of uh, new incentives because you have also to convince your customers to keep this product, to give it back to us. And of course, mm -hmm. you have to create incentive for your suppliers which will be able to recycle or remanufacture these products. So mm -hmm. these are our three main steps, materializing the valuable materials and then create a completely new infrastructure together with different stakeholders. Well, that sounds still pretty comprehensive, yeah. So, and totally makes sense. And I'm already curious to see what the outcome will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm I, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, but I cannot disclose too many details, but like I already told in the beginning, when we chat, the chat before, I started the same topic with a circular economy business canvas. We worked out internal transformation process, which like includes 40 or 50 pages, identified stakeholders, their needs, the incentives. And then we realized we should just get started now. Or how they say here is Fibon area, Netschwätze schaffe. It's our main, main mission thing now. <laughs> I think, Alex, that's awesome. In that sense, I would say let's let's get back to work. Thanks for sharing your experience. Thank you to be a part of this amazing podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you. My name is Patrick Hübscher, and this is Circularity FM the podcast about understanding, building and managing circular business models.